Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. We're sitting in a room, it's a hospital ward um, within, a, within the main hospital, so most patients will come and sit in a ward like this or perhaps in a satellite dialysis centre out in the community. Um, but I personally is- can't have a transplant, so I'm on dialysis for the rest of my life. To not be able to travel at all outside of the UK, it, it would devastate me. Is this the end of the family holiday in Europe for UK nationals suffering a long-term condition? This week, we are on the Brexit front line, looking at what is at stake for patients. It's very important that negotiators understand the vital significance of the EHIC system to people in dialysis. If this system is to be lost and is not replaced by a similar system, the vast majority of people on dialysis in this country would no longer be able to travel in Europe. And with our continued participation in European reference networks in question after Brexit, we will hear why these are so important for patients with rare diseases. Because there are so many rare diseases, over 8,000 at the last count, they're not uncommon. So it's absolutely the case that we need a population the size of the European Union to build expertise, to share expertise across national boundaries. Hello, I am Elisabetta Zanon from the NHS European Office here in Brussels. I am standing just a short walk from the European Commission, where, as Brexit negotiations continue, the ability of UK citizens to continue to receive free healthcare in Europe will be decided. Currently, 27 million UK citizens carry a European health insurance card, which entitles them to free healthcare in whichever member state they are traveling. This includes those with chronic or long-term health conditions. And it is these groups that are raising concerns about the potential loss of reciprocal health arrangements and what that would mean for their ability to travel in Europe. Kate Link has been to meet the kidney patient Maddie Warren to find out what the European Health Insurance Card means to them. programmed for treatment so you can set the machine how much fluid to remove how long you want the treatment to take um, usually patients will as Maddie Warren explains the workings of a dialysis machine she looks the picture of good health as a kidney patient for whom having a transplant is not an option she's been having dialysis three times a week for 19 of her 33 years and she's quite clear about what this means for her dialysis keeps you alive um, and without it, within a few days, you would become very, very sick. And within perhaps a week to 10 days, you would die. So this is a very, very stark reality for those who live requiring dialysis treatment. But because I'm able to be very fit and active, I've always worked full time um, and ever since I left education. Um, and my job as a consultant means that I do work with many different clients. And sometimes that, that would require me to go abroad to actually carry out the work that I do. Um, either to work with a client who is abroad or to do work on behalf of a UK client. So on top of that, I am also a very keen traveller and I'm very passionate about sport. So I do travel to Europe to go skiing. I travel to Europe for summer holidays. I travel with friends, with family. Um, and as with anyone else uh, you know, in the UK, it, it's, it's something where 
to be able to, to travel to whether it's for holiday or for work is really something that you, you assume you should just be able to do. Because I'm on dialysis, obviously it's not as simple as just getting on a plane and taking off. I do need to make sure I arrange to have dialysis at my destination. Um, and within Europe, that's always been incredibly easy under the eHIC card arrangement. So I book in advance, I find some space in an available unit at my destination, I provide them with my EHIC card details, and then I'm able to go off and make my trip um, and then go for dialysis at the time that I've arranged with them. And that sounds pretty simple and straightforward, but I just would like to kind of raise awareness of the fact that for most dialysis patients, just the concept of being able to escape the drudgery of spending three days a week, every single week, indefinitely, until you get a transplant, if you can have a transplant, that is an absolute lifeline and, it, and it's transformational for the way that they live their life. Brexit, we think, is a particular case that will affect people on dialysis. Fiona Loud is Policy Director for Kidney Care UK. We've been around for 40 years. We were formerly known as the British Kidney Patient Association, and we're here to support patients um, to the full, where, whatever stage of kidney disease uh, they're affected by. The patients are in touch with us to express their concerns, because if they are, for them it's really important to be able to do that little bit of travelling, to be able to live their life you know, to the full as best you can with kidney failure. So patients have been in touch and have said, will we still be able to receive dialysis free of charge in another country? So at the moment, we have an excellent arrangement with the eHIC card. So we believe that the 29,000 people who are presently on dialysis all have the right to take a holiday. Very, very few of them actually do. Or to take a break, for example, to see family members or to work. We're extremely concerned and keen that dialysis patients are not lost in the bigger picture of the Brexit negotiations. And replacing the lifeline that the European Health Insurance Card provides with travel insurance is, in the case of most patients with long-term conditions, simply not an affordable option. Maddie Warren again. You need dialysis to stay alive, so you cannot go and travel without having dialysis arranged at your destination, which has to be paid for. Under the current arrangement with the eHIC card, it is paid for and it's reimbursed by the NHS, who would be paying for that patient's treatment in the UK in any case. So it is purely a matter of locating your treatment to the EU destination, and then they claim back under the card. It's not making an additional payment over and above what the NHS is already paying for. Whereas with a travel insurance policy, if you said to them, I need you to fund three dialysis sessions while I'm abroad for a week, they would turn around and say, well, no, we're not, we're not here to do that. Or they'd put the policy up so expensive that you might as well just pay for the treatment out of your own pocket in the first place. Um, and for, for nearly every patient out there, that cost of paying for it yourself is absolutely prohibitive. We would think it is very important that negotiators un understand the vital significance of the EHIC system to people on dialysis. If this system has been lost and was not replaced by a similar system, the vast majority of people on dialysis in this country would no longer be able to travel in Europe. And we would like negotiators to bear that in mind and to think about how that could work in the future. And ideally, we'd like to see a smooth, simple system that is transparent, that everybody understands, and that continues to work well to enable kidney patients to live life to the full, even if they have kidney failure. For more information on Brexit and reciprocal health arrangements, we have produced a briefing paper which can be downloaded from 
www.nhsconfed.org slash Brexit Health Alliance. Now, in March of this year, 24 European Reference Networks, or ERNs, were launched with the intention of allowing healthcare providers across Europe to better tackle complex or rare diseases by sharing information and expertise. Around 40 NHS hospitals currently participate in these networks, with six of them led by the NHS. But how do they work? What do they mean for patients? And why, post-Brexit, is our continued participation in them important? Sarah Collin reports. European reference networks are something which patients right across Europe have welcomed uh, as a big step forward. Alistair Kent is Ambassador for Genetic Alliance UK, an independent alliance of patient support organisations for those suffering from any form of genetic disease, and it seeks to bring the patient experience to discussions on health and research policy and practice. Their concern now is that the big step forward may become a big step backwards if the UK fails to maintain its participation in these European reference networks post-Brexit. It's a paradox, really, that um, although individually rare diseases uh, may only affect small numbers of people, uh, even if you take uh, the European perspective into account, uh, together, because there are so many rare diseases, over 8,000 at the last count, they're not uncommon. But no country, uh, no clinician can have all the experience that he or she needs to provide comprehensive services and support and across the board opportunity to do research and to develop interventions for all the rare diseases that, uh, that, that patients experience. So it's absolutely the case that we need the um, a population the size of the European Union in order to maximise the effectiveness uh, of research, to build expertise, to share expertise across national boundaries. To find out how a European reference network works and the advantages it brings, I've come here to Sheffield Teaching Hospitals where Chris Chappell, a consultant urological surgeon and Secretary-General of the European Association of Urology, was instrumental in setting up the Eurogen network. Working with the European National Societies in Urology, we've put in a successful bid to provide a network for rare conditions and congenital diseases relating to urology. Sheffield Teaching Hospitals is leading the reference network. We're working very closely with colleagues in a number of other countries and in this context have set up three working parties who will be providing the coordination of the activities of the Eurogen reference network. Chris Chappell is clear about the benefits of their ERN for patients and the NHS. I think a very important aspect of the network is that we have the potential to actually work more closely with our patients. Patients have been involved in the submission of this proposal and patient groups are involved in all of the working parties within our reference network. Patients bring an important perspective to the management of any healthcare condition. I think it's very important for the NHS to be involved not only because it fits in very nicely with our working practice within the NHS, 
but also it allows us to interact with colleagues across Europe who may have expertise which we would benefit from for, for our patients to provide the highest quality care. It will also allow us to look at these rare conditions to try and assess the efficacy of treatment more, more accurately and also to us, for us to look at new treatment options for the future. It will also allow us to then set up collaboration and of course within Europe we've always worked very collaboratively with colleagues across the globe so that we can provide the, uh, the greatest and best advances in urological practice to aid the most effective management of patients. Britain has taken uh, a major role in developing uh, ERNs, expert reference networks, uh, and the UK leads uh, in six out of the 24 networks that have been established, which is a reflection of our lead in terms of research excellence, of our insights, of our clinical care. But it builds hugely on the opportunity to interact with our European colleagues. The NHS contribution to this European reference network is extremely important and I do hope that this will be something which will continue because clearly we need to be able to provide the best support and advice to patients and I very much look forward to working with colleagues to try and achieve the same. Thank you to Chris Chappell, Alistair Kent and Sarah Collen for that report on European reference networks. If you would like to keep up to date with the issues surrounding Brexit and the NHS, then subscribe to our Brexit Bulletin. And don't forget to visit our web resources at nhsconfed.org slash nhsandbrexit and to follow us on Twitter at nhsconfed underscore EU. Until next time, I'm Elisabetta Zanon for the NHS European Office and thank you for listening.